0: You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 145, Tim Robertson, David Cohen, talking about CES this week. And it is Tech Fan Number One Forty Five. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello, fist bump. <laughs> fist bump. <laughs> I just fist bumped all the listeners in one guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big fist. <laughs> Got at least three fists in there. Yeah. Um, so CES just ended this week, and yeah. uh, I have to be honest, David, I wasn't. There wasn't anything that really jumped out at me this year that I saw in all the coverage of CES. Of course, I didn't go. You didn't go. Nobody on the uh, MyMac family of um, writers or tech writers or whatever you want to call them went. Nobody in the Stoplight Network that I know went. So all of our information came from a variety of websites, including David Pogue's new Yahoo Tech, which I don't know if you've looked at, but it's really good. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it is. The only thing that kind of bothers me about it is that I can't see how to get an RSS feed off it. I don't want to keep going to the t- to the site every day. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, and maybe they've done that deliberately. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it looks really
0: nice. And, I bookmarked um, it the first time I went there. I was like, oh, I'm going to come back to here. I have a, a weird bookmarking system. Uh, it's basically three tiers. But after the second tier, it's just stuff that I hardly ever go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was in my tier one note, in my tier one bookmarks, if you will. It, yeah, it, it immediately went there because it's just really good. That shouldn't be surprising because David Pogue is brilliant. He's a very well, talented yeah. writer. Uh, he really knows his tech. He talks to his audience, not PR speak. He's good. Yeah, and um, I I think you know it's the the actual look of the
1: site. It kind of looks like an app, which is nice. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than being your typical website, it looks uh, it looks very nice too. Um, though, as I say, I, I just um. I just wish I could figure out how to get an RSS feed off it, so I didn't have to browse the site directly all
0: the time. But I'll figure it out. He did an interview with the CEO of uh, T-Mobile, and that guy's just a, a tech rock star right now. <laughs> he really you, is.
1: Did you hear that he crashed the AT and T party? Yeah, well, he didn't. He didn't. That's not really what no, he was doing. He, well. he
0: wanted to see a musician, and that musician yeah. actually gave him uh, an all-access pass to come in. And he covered his shirt. He was low-key. And when they basically went to kick him out, he said, do you guys really want to do this? I mean... Yeah. It doesn't make them look very good, does no. it? No. Well, it gives T-Mobile a whole bunch more yeah. publicity. That's that's dumb. If, if AT&T were smart, they would have taken a picture of him there and said, hey, look who came to our party. Our parties are so good, our competitors want to be here. That would have been smart. Not kicking him out. Yeah, they're not... They're not the. Uh,
1: that's not the AT and T way. Um, <laughs> I mean, not only that. It's a party. I mean, it's not like people
0: are going to be talking business there. Yeah, not very you know. smart. But no. uh, that was a big event that happened at CES. That was probably the most widely reported thing that happened at at CES. And uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was funny.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's clearly is a, he's a. If nothing, else, I mean, I, I don't really know how his what his business brand is like, but he's a, he's clearly a guy who um, understands how to engage
0: his consumers, which is and he wants to I shake think, up the industry. Yeah, you know, he he came right out and said the the carriers suck, all of them do, and they're they're universally hated here in the United States. Um, they're deceptive. Their business practices; they hide these fees on you. Uh, and he wants to change that. And, and so far at T-Mobile, from my understanding of what I've read online, I'm not a T-Mobile customer. But from what I've read online, he's doing just that. And to be honest, all the stuff I keep seeing from them makes me kind of want to become a T-Mobile customer. And I think mm. that's that's kind of the point. I can't tell you the last time I thought, well, I want to be a customer of AT&T, you know?
1: Well, uh, you know, the key, the key thing, and uh, the, there's just been a big debate over branding and and how brands are perceived here in the uk we have this every year where some of the big retailers um have been trying to improve their sales at at christmas time and haven't been doing so well you know big established uk brands like marks and spencer's have you know seen sales drop over christmas and and there's a debate about what that means in terms of how their brands are perceived and there's an awful lot of talk about the fact of you know, saying things along the lines of "if you need in a in a very competitive industry, you need to differentiate yourself from the other guys." So, do you think a lot um, of that is the leadership? Is I, I think leadership so. I and, think and I direction? think it's yeah. I think it's it's about how you want to position your company in a modern world and which which segments of the market you want to you want to appeal to. And and I, don't, I think a lot of them don't realize that. Uh it's no good spending money just on ads with high profile people in. Um the ads have to be and, and they and not just the ads, but the whole attitude of the company have to be about a certain ethos. Yeah. And if you if you can get that across and get that into people's minds, then they will remember you first because there'll be your you know, it'll be, oh yeah, that company there there's a there's a there's a competing um store here called John Lewis. Um, who are, you know, probably about as old as Marks and Spencers. And they are well-known, extremely well-known for being, they're perceived as being slightly higher in quality, much better customer service. Um, They share their profits with their employees. Uh, It's almost like a cooperative. Um, And they... Also, every year, do these very emotionally driven Christmas ads that kind of stick in people's brains. And um, the, the one this year, well, they've, for the last two years running, I think the song they've used, which is kind of like a redone version of a pop song, as you know, sold big in iTunes as well. And and the the thing is, is that they the the ads they do, they don't tell you anything about shopping. <laughs> they don't even tell you that it's for a shopping store. They are about um, kind of an emotional engagement with. Uh, with giving people things and and that sort of stuff, they they did one one year where there was two snowmen outside a there was uh, outside a house and one snowman journeys all across the country through blizzards and everything to get a scarf for the other snowman who is go, who is his girlfriend. Hmm. Yeah, and it and it's it's kind of but the thing is at the same time they're playing like an emotional song and it, it it's a story
0: the ad and at the, and the end the one is their did, logo or something.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And well, the one Apple this year, just hit, go ahead. Yeah, well, say so the one this year was very similar. The one this year was a, a cartoon that was kind of like a wind in, the, um, sorry, a warship Down" style cartoon about a rabbit whose friend is a bear, and the bear hibernates every winter, so they never get to spend Christmas together. So the the rabbit uh, just gives him a present of a of an alarm clock, and then the bear wakes up and on Christmas morning comes down to the tree where all the other animals are. And again, they had an emotional song playing in the background, like a redo of a pop song, and it really struck strikes a chord with people, and that, and that puts a brand in into people's heads that like, well this is not a big corporate that's just about making money. This is you know, it creates an impression that this this company has ideas beyond just that. And I think that's important.
0: <laughs> I just you're talking about a bear and rabbit. Yeah. It just reminded me of this um uh, two panel joke that I saw on Facebook. Uh it's weird how things just pop into your mind like that. There's a yeah. bear and he's pooing in the woods. And yeah. he looks over and there's a rabbit there and he says, Do you hate when you get poo on your fur? And the rabbit says, No, not really. And the next panelist, yeah, <laughs> the bears not... grab the rabbit and yeah. his bum. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But Apple did that. Uh, they had the new iPhone commercial where, it, you know, at first it seems, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, it, it's a kid and he's uh, on his iPhone the whole time at the family gathering and. You're meant to think that, oh, it's it's one of those kids that, you know, he just has his face buried in his phone, not really paying mm-hmm. attention, missing out on everything. And then on Christmas morning, when people are opening presents, he airplays his video that he's made and it's very emotional and people cry mm. and yeah. he gets the hug and and that's good branding, you know? Yeah. Obviously, it's a commercial for the iPhone. There's no question about that. But it was emotional. And I think those kind of things work. I also think what this guy at T-Mobile is doing also works, and that he's trying to shake up the industry. He's positioning T-Mobile as the uh, the uncarrier. I think that's how they word it, and I think those kind of things work well. Steve Jobs did exactly the same thing at Apple when he got back. Remember yeah. when he. Um, I think it was the the first year he was back. I don't even think that Gil Emilio had left yet and they started the whole think different campaign. Mm. And the reason that they did that campaign at that time was because remember the IMAC wasn't out yet. So they basically had the same products that they've had for a while, but Steve jobs realized that they have to save the image of the company. And, and that was, that ad was a hundred percent Steve jobs think different. And it, and it worked really well. I personally, you know, a lot of people look back at Apple's ads and they go, oh, you know, the, the 1984 commercial is one of the greatest of all time. I think the original thing, different commercial, is 10 times the ad.
1: Well, I also think the campaigns they did with um, they, for the iPod, the kind of the, the, dancing, uh, the, silhouettes. the dancing, dancing silhouettes. Mm-hmm. Again, brilliant. Because it worked in multiple medium. Yep. It was instantly recognizable. As soon as you saw
0: it, even if you saw it from a distance, you couldn't resolve what it was. You knew what it was for. And you know what those commercials, they didn't just sell the iPods at the time. The songs that they were using in those ads yeah, were, instantly went to number one. But it encapsulated what the iPod
1: could do for you mm-hmm. you know in the, the f- and, and there was a subtext of it of you know freeing you, freeing your music you know disconnecting you so you can go anywhere with your music that you can move easily with your music I, I, th- those again were, were iconic as far as I, I'm concerned I know that word gets overused but I think they really were because you know I what agree. in 15-20 years time you could put a print ad of one of those in front of somebody who'd seen the originals and they would re-
0: instantly remember what it was absolutely that's a powerful ad And most ads out there, unfortunately, aren't very powerful. They're not very effective. Um, we, we kind of fast forward on our DVRs, but even if you don't fast forward through an ad, you watch all the ads and then your show starts again, two minutes into the show, pause it and see if you could remember even two of the commercials that you just watched. Chances are you can't. No, unless it's like this company you told me about during the holiday season. You'll remember that one. You'll remember the Apple ad. But there's very few ads out there that really reflect what the company is about and, and gives you that sense of branding. Nike used to be able to yeah. do that really well with their "just do it" stuff. Yeah. But
1: I, I think that that is the key thing. It's just that if the marketing campaign is just a marketing campaign and it's disconnected from the rest of the company, then you know it's just an ad campaign. Yeah. But if it's a branding campaign, then what they do is they will they will market it internally. They will not just produce internal sales material that reflects that campaign, but they'll talk about it internally as well. And and what they'll tr- try and do is they'll try and pick up something that the company wants to be known for. And yeah. so that everybody lives and breathes that those concepts. Only to a degree. At the end of the day, these are all companies that are there to make money. They're all profit-driven. But the point is, is is that if you engage your customers in a way that makes the customer feel good when they shop with you, yeah, you won. Then you've you won absolutely, absolutely. I agree. And and I think this is something that some companies like um, Apple is obviously a, is is a big one. I think there are other in the tech sphere. Some companies like Bose and. Um, a few others like that. They they kind of they've managed to achieve that, and and that means that they're always they've always got a step ahead of their competitors, no matter what products they they come out with. And I think that's something get that, particularly in Apple's case, gets underestimated when people, you know, are writing their typical "Apple is doomed unless they do this type um, absolutely type things." Is is saying that they forget that that Apple has brand loyalty that's that's much less fickle than the, you know, the Samsung. Um, yeah, the Samsung, the, the Android, the, oh, look, let's, let's buy the newest shiny Gar- uh, Jar Jar. And, um, you know, going back to CES, I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of the things I've seen this week are companies attempting to innovate by coming up with something new. Uh, and But not actually thinking about whether people really want, want it or not.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's hard to market a product that you think that people are going to want this i think the most successful products are those that when they come out you want it because the company anticipated that we're going to build this because we know we want this and even though people don't think they want it right now we're going to make it so cool that they're going to have to have it and the big thing i think this year at ces really was the 4k televisions and broadcast and it looks like uh netflix kind of jumped everybody here. Um, Netflix basically said that they're going to start streaming in 4k on a lot of their original programmings in 2015.
1: Uh, Yeah. But you know what, (laughs) you know what I'm going to say?
0: I do. I mean, who the hell needs 4k and, and then, but even if you want 4k, do you realize it's four times the size of HD? Yeah. I, How many wireless networks can handle that kind of bandwidth? I mean, if that's all you're doing is streaming content and you have a a cap on your data, well, thanks, Netflix. I watched two movies and I've tapped out this month already. Now, obviously, they're going to give you the opportunity not to stream in 4K. (laughs) Yeah,
1: but what's the point of having a 4K TV if you can't afford... The bandwidth to stream in 4k
0: yeah and that's kind of what i was coming to is honestly david do you want a 4k television no no i mean i kind of do but there's no content for it well i i understand what the benefits are but here's the thing with televisions nowadays everyone has for the most part an hd tv right at least a 720p yeah it's good enough yeah
1: i have look we have a 32 inch 1080 tv and we sit probably, four, well, depending on where you are on the sofa, between uh, six and eight feet away from this TV. HD content that well, looks great; it yep. looks really great. 4K won't and look I, any better. I, well, this is the thing: you have to be virtually on top of it to really perceive the 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 real difference. Okay, yeah, there's a general sheen of improved um, of, of improvements on there. But even if every even if Netflix is capable of del- delivering you everything in 4K without compression it was, it, you're right it was it, well not uh, not only that it was never filmed in, f- in 4k if you haven't got 4k end-to-end it's kind of pointless it is absolutely because what you're gonna get is you, if you're watching a sitcom those are filmed on video cameras that aren't anywhere near 4k yeah even if you watch uh, a high-end movie um you've no guarantee that it's that it's been mastered from a 4k editing source if you go and get the i'd uh, say something like the avengers yeah, unless it was unless that was filmed end to end on four K red cameras, it will have been upscaled at some point along the process to make yep. it four K. So at that point, the detail you're looking at is something that's generated by computer algorithm.
0: Yeah, so what just, isn't in movies nowadays? Well,
1: yeah, I know. But the point is, is is it's pointless. You're not getting they they can't sell it to you as You're getting something that looks yep. really realistic. Absolutely. <laughs> and when the, the really
0: you given is is CG. Two two years ago, David. We were complaining about who the hell cares about 3D televisions. Yeah. Well, nobody was. And we were absolutely <laughs> right. Nobody yeah. cared. Now, if they come out with the 4K televisions and they're the same price point and they just do away with HD, or they'll just say they're, it's, they're HD televisions, they just can do yeah. 4K, that's not a selling point. People are like, oh, yeah, I can do that, too. So eventually, you know, if, if it's in 4K, it'll look cool. But it's the same price, so I got that one. Just, you know. That's the yeah. only reason they'll sell. But you can't yeah. sell these as a premium device because nobody cares. Uh, look, it's, it's the typical hardware
1: problem is that you, unless you have the end-to-end solution, right, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. But the, and look, really, you've got to have the broadcasters, yes. not just Netflix,
0: but you've got to have all the broadcasters yep. committed to this. And it took Otherwise, a long time for them just to commit to HD exactly i mean well, our they, local news only went to hd about a year ago one year yeah, ago
1: because they had to do that same end-to-end they had to upgrade the cameras all their
0: editing yeah, they're equipment, not going to do that pictures.
1: again no no absolutely not, not for another unless, 10 years that's the stuff they've got can already handle 4k which i bet it can't no
0: no way because they'll always go with the minimum that they can do to get to where they need to be right now yeah so it's
1: it's unlike many things at ces this week it's a solution looking for a problem
0: Yeah. What's Uh, the deal with the curved televisions? (laughs) I mean, I kind of saw that and I thought, oh, I guess that's kind of neat. But then I stopped and I thought, unless it's 105 inches and it's taking an entire wall and it gives you a little bit more immersion because it's curved and it gives you that more of a peripheral vision as you're watching something, which I don't really understand why you'd care about that in a movie. What the hell do I need a curved television for?
1: Well, the problem is, they say, oh, well, because it's curved, that means every point in the screen is the same distance from your eyes, which gives you a more immersive experience, which is fine for the one person who's sat directly in the middle, in the yeah, sweet spot. doesn't help anybody but, else. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, the problem is, is that if you're not in the sweet spot, and if actually you're stood up walking around the room, as most people are in their living rooms, you know, they're moving around, they're not sat in the Dude, optimal I'll give you a prime example it's, why it's this doesn't It's going to look worse.
0: Right. Um think about how big you could really make those televisions to fit your room, right? And even a curved one. So theoretically, everything's in your field of, of vision at the same distance. Okay. Now let's do a, a quick little experiment. You're sitting in front of your computer right now, right? Yeah. Okay. What size screen is it? It's a 20. Okay. It's a 20 inch screen. How far away are you? Maybe a foot?
1: Uh, I'd say probably two feet. Okay. I've got quite a long
0: deep it, desk. It's an, it's an Apple computer, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's on your screen? Uh, just Skype? Uh, the uh, Safari and okay. Skype. Okay, Safari and Skype. Look at the Apple logo in the upper left-hand corner. Yeah. Keep staring at it. Mm-hmm. Now, what's in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen without actually moving your eyes away from the Apple logo? I can't see it. Right, that's exactly my point. The field of <laughs> vision for a human... Is very, very, very small, the focus yeah, point. yeah. It's within a couple of inches, if that. That's, that's it. And what our eyes do is they constantly – you can look at it.
1: If you, if you look at somebody's eyes, when they're not looking at you, you can see they're jumping around. Yes. And basically what happens is your brain creates the image of the world you see by retaining what it saw as it jumps around that very tiny point of, of vision. So a lot of what you see is actually constructed by your brain, and it's not actually real. That's in right. terms of, yeah, and this is what, the, I think this is what 4K and um, curved TVs and everything, what these guys don't get, they don't understand how the brain works. An enemy. And what they're trying to do is yeah, they, yeah, the, what they're trying to do is create some sort of pseudo reality with their screens, mm-hmm. but it doesn't tally with the way we actually see the no. world.
0: No, it doesn't yeah? because they don't understand biology and they don't understand how what yeah. the, the focus is. It has more to do with the content than the size or the resolution of the screen. And then as well, unless you're George Lucas, who likes to fill the screen
1: with all sorts of c- CG crap going on in the background, most f- stuff we watch is designed to focus us on one point in the screen that's because right. that's
0: where the drama's going Absolutely. on. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Now, you if know? you're looking at a character and he's talking to another <laughs> yeah. character... And somebody behind him in a distance is starting to aim a gun to shoot him the director will lose focus on the main character and yeah. refocus on the guy behind him so it draws your attention or or he'll jump cut yes.
1: to the gun coming up and mm-hmm. then he'll jump up jump cut back because that's how movies and TV is because done. they
0: understand how the human eye works our perception yeah and it it, it really yes I will say resolution does make a difference to a certain point, but beyond a certain point, unless you're talking about virtual reality, it makes no difference at all. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, the four, the four K, the, the curve TVs, the only people that really get a big boner about all this is the tech geeks, the hardcore tech geeks, and yeah. they think everybody is like them. And most people aren't, they just don't uh, care. I can't you know, tell you one person yeah. I personally know in my life that gives a crap about curved televisions or or 4K or any of that. They don't care. Yeah, They just but
1: don't. I, I wish they would spend more effort on pushing down features into lower price TVs so that more people can get decent features like smart TVs and stuff like that. I yeah. wish somebody would do a number on the user
0: interfaces for oh all God. of these things. How many you times know? have we talked about that? That <laughs> the user interface on all the televisions are just horrendous now yeah. i will say though lg a year ago bought a whole bunch of the i don't know the rights or the patents or whatever they did for um uh, uh what do you call it the uh the palm os the uh oh yeah um web uh web os yeah. yeah, yes web os yeah. i don't understand how that works because hp also put it in the public domain but somehow lg owns a i don't know i, I don't get it But regardless, they're building the webOS into their TVs. And uh, I saw the demo and I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. But what was most exciting to me is, look, someone's actually doing something with the interface for the television. Now, they're not really because you still have to go through the crappy menus on adjustments and all that. But at least someone's thought about it. And, And that needs to happen because... The way you simply interact with your television when it comes to setting up the picture, or however, it's terrible. It's just terrible.
1: Yeah. No, I'd like to see a lot of the things that you have to buy as extras for your TVs come as standard. I'd rather them spend the R and D effort and the investment in that stands. Yeah. Why do Why do we if we if you want to mount a TV properly, why do you have to buy a separate wall mount or a floor mount or something with a pole and a visa thing on the back rather than, why you know, why did the TV manufacturers just put basically a plastic um, a plastic foot in yeah. rather than a proper stand? I'd pay for a brand that had a decent standard stand and I didn't have to go out and buy another one. Remotes. Why the hell are we still stuck with remotes that are about uh, 18 inches long covered in tiny little buttons? Yeah,
0: 50 buttons on there. Yeah, And you only use about four of the buttons at any one time for the most part and you know which buttons those are because the little font on them is getting rubbed off at this point (laughs) why are they (laughs) building a remote where the stuff doesn't rub off oh my god you'd be a millionaire (laughs) (laughs) it happens to all of them too um i i will say sony's the stand that sony gives you with their television it's for uh tabletop mounting only and I thought mm-hmm. the same thing. Why don't they give me something so if I want to mount it on the wall? Because I would bet you a quarter of the people who buy flat panel TVs mount them on the wall. Now, the one in our living room is on that stand. That's the Sony. Mm-hmm. But here in the office where all my uh, equipment is, that one is a 39-inch LG mounted on the wall. Yeah. And uh, it, it's great. I love it.
1: We but just it was f- another
0: $100 that I had to spend for that stupid. Sick, yeah.
1: We, we've got a we've got a very small TV in our bedroom, nineteen inch, um, and we've we'd noticed particularly uh, we've got a better source on there now. We've got an HD source on there that um, anything that was very dark, and my wife likes a lot watch a lot of these like uh, vampire soap shows, you know, yeah, like yeah. the uh, you know vampire diaries stuff. Like. Yeah, so they're all very dark because most of the action takes place at night, and because the TV was higher than our eyes because we're in the bed, and it's up on a shelf. Uh, we and the, the viewing angles kind of vertical viewing angles were poor so you couldn't anything was dark you couldn't see properly so i said well we need to tilt the tv down towards us but the shelf it's on is very narrow so there's no no depth to be able to do that so i bought a um a, uh, a it's designed for mounting a monitor on a desk oh i so know it's a g clamp about. yeah Yeah, And then a pole that comes up, and then you put the TV on the visa mount in the back. And that allows me to raise the TV up, but tilt it right down towards us. And now it's great. Now we can see it really well. Yep. The thing is, it took me probably, I don't know, a day, day and a half of research and searching online to try and find the right one.
0: Yeah. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. You should have something in the box that can do that. I will give credit to the, the, the manufacturer of flat panel TVs, though. They all did go with kind of a standard, how you mount them to a visa mount. They yeah. all did that. So you don't have to get a visa mount for your brand of television. You just basically need to know what size and yeah. they they go from like 32 to to, I don't know, 49 or something. And then anything over 50 uses this one. That was smart. And I did appreciate that, but yep. even then just put one in the box. We're willing to pay an extra 50 bucks a television. Just put it in the box. Stop messing with us. Well, oh, yeah. Whatever. Because you're not going to buy the same. Number one, I don't even know if Sony or LG makes a wall mount. So why not make your own wall mount, charge a, a small premium and put it on the box. Hey, this comes with the wall mount. You'll sell more. Yeah. Again, it
1: goes back to saying, differentiating yourself from yeah, your
0: competitors. Absolutely. Uh,
1: we're the guys who have everything in the box. We're the guys who make a decent remote. We're the guys who have a decent interface. Oh, and by the way, we don't put such a cheap, crappy processor in the TV that the interface actually works quickly rather than half a second after every button press.
0: That's all my television. <laughs> yeah. Let's take well, a quick so, break, David. We all,
1: yeah, we all know what's wrong with them, and instead of giving us what we want, they give us 4K or yeah. curves
0: or bendy or... Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back and uh, discuss a little bit more on CES. Here we go! Curious about Nintendo? Well, check out the Nintendo Club podcast. This podcast is done twice a week. We dive into all things Nintendo. We dive into retro. We dive into current games, what we're playing, what cool Nintendo news is going on. Check it out here at the Spotlight Network, the Nintendo Club podcast. We broadcast this live out every Sunday evening starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out the nintendoclubpodcast.com website for more information.
1: Hello, people. My name is Peter Bird, and I am the host of the Deep Look podcast. The idea behind the show is that we talk to our guests, and we learn more about them, the subjects, the people, the things that shape their lives, or the things they are interested in, or the things they would possibly want to know more about. Basically, we just like to look a little deeper and see what's there to learn. If that appeals to you, or you like that idea, or if even if you have a guest that you think we should try and speak to, then come on by and give us a go. We are part of the Stoplight Network.
0: Back, Tim Robertson, that's me, David Cohen, that's him. If you want to reach out to us, we'd appreciate it. We are at techfanpodcast.com on the internet. You can find us there. You can find all the contact information to uh, send us a note. We'll read it right here on the air. And David, we were talking uh, before that commercial break about CES, and I was going to mention this at the very beginning of talking about CES, but I found something very curious, and I wasn't the only one to pick up on this. In fact, uh, The Verge uh, mentions this as well, and I think All Things D or... I don't know, there was somebody else that had an article about this, but the dearth of Windows products. Now, we know that Google, Microsoft, Apple, those companies don't go and and show at CES. But Apple doesn't need to because half the products that are there are about the iOS and iPhones and iPads. Same thing with Android devices. All these little connected devices and all these little doodads and cases and all that stuff is all, they all work with Android as well. But... There was nothing that I saw. There was a few things. Don't get me wrong. It was a, a complete nothing. But compared to everything else, it was next to nothing. Which was Windows.
1: I I think there's there's two aspects of this. I I suspect the relatively poor success of Windows 8 is a is a factor yeah. in that I think people aren't necessarily talking about their Windows 8 products because um, they're little, not perceived. Late well perhaps they're just not perceived as their main priority because they haven't been selling particularly well and everyone's taking a softly softly approach let's face it if you're i don't know, take a brand Toshiba, and you showcase on your stand your new windows 8 laptop um and then when because of windows 8 not necessarily because it's a bad laptop but because windows 8 doesn't really appeal to the market it doesn't sell then that could be embarrassing so you might want to focus on other products and i th- i think there's an element of people thinking oh windows is
0: not innovative is not cool is not um hot. You know, that, I that think a lot that. of that though is I think Microsoft as a company is in a right in the middle of a massive transformation. And we don't know what that Microsoft is going to be because Steve Ballmer's leaving. Yeah. And uh unfortunately though Gates said he's going to take more of an active role on the board. Uh, I read that. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd look him and well, That's handle- going to scare the crap out of anybody wanting to come in. Yeah. They were talking to this guy who ran Ford for the last four years. Mm-hmm. They did not take a, government, a US government bailout loan. They didn't. Yeah. Uh, they pulled themselves out using old-fashioned um, business acumen. They innovated. Uh, they hit the marketing hard. They made good products that people actually wanted. And they, they brought the company back without asking for a government handout. And I think a lot of people respect Ford for that. Uh, I own a Honda. I don't... But my wife owns a Ford, but it's an old one. So, you know. Um, but the guy who did it was offered, uh, supposedly, the CEO of Microsoft. And he turned it down. Yeah. I, I don't... Who
1: knows why. Um, whether Whether the... The kind of the board over your shoulder was part of that
0: or not? I mean, he's he's not he's not a young guy. He's not um, a young guy, but he's a guy that will go into an industry that he's relatively new to and really change things, change the culture, change the. Yeah. I personally hope he'll come to the Detroit Lions and run that organization, but that's just a personal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Microsoft needs somebody like that. They need someone like this guy at at uh, T-Mobile. They need a leader who's not just going to be a suit that's there to appease the the stockholders. They need someone that's going to come in and really, really shake Microsoft up at its core and completely transforms that company into one that could be, again, a leader in this new decade, in this new century, like they were last. Because that's not what they are anymore. At least yeah. they're, they're not perceived that way by either the customers, their business partners or the manufacturers who make the products that run their software.
1: Well, I think the other factor is that they're not perceived that way by the media. And I suspect that uh, I, it always strikes me with CES, if you look at all the coverage that, I mean, we know that this is an, it's a massive, massive show. You're always being told it's so big you can't get around it all. It's so huge. Um, and yet you look across the mainstream sites and a lot of them are covering the same few stories. So... The question then has to come is is the stuff actually there um and it's just that the uh the media just doesn't cover it because you know they they just think again windows 8 is not microsoft and windows is not the hot story uh, we'd much rather cover, cover a um a fitness gadget or a um you know a new bluetooth device or something like that we'd rather we've only got a certain amount of column inches and we'd rather cover those sorts of things rather than or yet another windows tablet yet another windows laptop uh, i don't know whether that is that is a factor in it as well. And in fact, the way that CES is covered means that Microsoft and Windows kind of get short shrift.
0: Um, you know, that
1: that could well be a part of it too.
0: You know, the thing is without actually being at CES this year, either one of us, we don't know that it was better representative represented on the showroom floor or not. And that the press is just not covering it. But I, this is what I do know. The tech press and I know these people very well, cause we are that in, in some ways, I mean, we've been doing it longer than most of the tech press has been yeah. doing it. Uh, at least I have, um, they like to talk about products, whether it's, this is really going to be cool or wow, look how stupid this is, they would have covered Microsoft related products if they were cool or if they were really dumb well yeah i mean that's
1: that's interesting because the one the one windows product i did see that did get fairly broad coverage was the new um thinkpad x1 carbon Mm -hmm. which uh one of the talking points is the fact they've kind of they've moved the keyboard around they've got rid of the caps lock key they've got a programmable functional touch strip at the top that to allow programs to actually create new function keys. So that is something that's slightly different. Um, a much higher-res screen as well. Uh, not quite 4K, but it's, it was getting up there. And that one in, did actually get a lot of coverage, principally because I think a lot of the journalists who were covering CES actually fancied buying one. Yep. But but again, there was something to talk about there because there were, the keyboard was different, the screen was different. There was also was, a, a device you
0: know, that ran both Windows and uh, Android. Some kind of a flip computer thing. I, I saw it on one site. I briefly scanned it, and I thought, okay, the concept of okay, it's a laptop. But then I close the, sc- I flip the screen. I close the screen, and now it's a Android tablet. That concept is kind of cool, except it's going to be bulky, and it's going to be the worst of both worlds, not the best of both worlds. Uh, one of the criticisms of windows eight is that you have the desktop
1: world and then you have uh, what David Poe calls tile world, but you have the modern UI Metro interface yep. and that there's a disconnect between them. Yep. So if you have windows and Android, then you've got that again. Yep. Only well, you've now three. got to, f- yeah, you now got to physically flip the hardware to move from one to the other. I, I don't see the attraction really for me. I, I, I've always assumed that anybody who wanted that sort of experience would have a Windows laptop and then probably a, a Google Nexus Seven or something next to them, so they've got. You know, I, I don't even know with that device whether you can. I wouldn't imagine you could move data between one operating system and the other. No, so they're two separate the things. Point. Yeah. So what's the point?
0: Yeah, that's exactly the kind of. Well, how do you sync your tablet into <laughs> to your Windows machine? It's the same thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's a, a bit when you kind of as as you flip it over if you get it in just the right position they'll both kind of be on
0: yeah shadowing <laughs> each other on the same screen that'd be cool yeah. <laughs> where's the uh, and this was to another again two years ago and uh, I don't see hide nor hair of it where's the Linux phones David where's this Ubuntu phone yeah I mean that was getting all the, the tech coverage I didn't see anything about that here's another one David how big of the how big of a booth did uh, Facebook have for the Facebook phone? Do you know one mm. person who has that Facebook phone? I don't. No. I challenge anyone listening to this podcast. Send me a screenshot of or, or a picture of you holding a Facebook phone. Yep. Nobody. And again, huge news within the last year, and it's completely dead.
1: Yeah. And I think. I'm looking at the phones. I think that's one area where perhaps Microsoft has missed a trick. They're halfway through this acquisition of Nokia, um, and really, what they could do with doing is giving Windows Phone a shot in the arm. Uh, and this was an opportunity to do it, and they didn't do it. There was no, there was no new devices. There was, um, you know, there was nothing there. I mean, it just. I mean, you you think Windows desktop was underrepresented. I mean, people haven't talked about Windows Phone at all. Nope. So, um, you know, again, that's a, a missed opportunity. because You really know want to get a lot
0: of press, David? And very positive press. And it kind of... Honestly, it reminded me of the old days with this company. And it... Between their coverage of CES, the announcements that they made, which wasn't a, a lot, but it was enough uh, to kind of stand out. And uh, the news that they... They released this this last week, knowing this company and knowing what we've said about them in the past really kind of gave me hope for this company again. And that's Sony, mm-hmm. um, a, they released some new phones and it's aimed exactly at the iPhone. It's the same form factor, kind of, um, it's the same size and it's definitely an iPhone competitor, not an Android competitor, even though it is an Android phone. Yeah. But it's got very good stylings. It's got an awesome camera, from what I understand. Um, Sony is kind of moving back into the category where they used to be. At least it seems that way. They sold one million more PS4s than than Microsoft sold Xboxes, and they were only released a week uh, a week apart. Yeah, I, th- I think they. To be fair, they were in available
1: more widely than. Um well, that's smart. Xbox, I mean, that's what. But, you do. but yeah, but but yeah, that that shows a probably a more aggressive approach to getting them out there. Uh, there's certainly no doubt that uh, kicking off the next generation console, Sony's Sony's there
0: ahead. They're cheaper. They they're equivalent. Well, they had better press. I had, mean, Sony yeah. came out and said this is about games, and Microsoft came out. Remember, they had horrible press at the mm. beginning of the Xbox One when they first announced it. You remember all the negatives about it. And then of yep. course they started calling it the Xbox one three sixty or one eighty. <180. laughs> yeah. Um so Sony got good press right at the beginning, but they've parlayed that into sales. It was more widely available. Um there doesn't seem to be a shortage of them now. I can go to any one of three stores within the three mile radius of me right now and buy either an Xbox One or a PS four if I could afford it. Um so they're available. And people are picking the PS4. Why is that? I think it's because Sony's done a better job. And Microsoft's done a terrible job. Yep. I mean, they're almost equal in hardware specs. For all intents and purposes, they're equal. So why are people buying the Sony? What what did Microsoft have to announce at CES about the Xbox? Nothing. They weren't even there. You know what Sony announced? Their whole Play Anywhere thing. Where and it's only for PS3 software currently and, and moving forward, but that'll change over time. That you can stream your games to a TV that your PS4 is not hooked up to. You can stream it to your handheld. They said pretty much any tablet or any screen eventually is going to you're gonna be able to screen uh, stream your your PS three or PS four content to that's huge news that's that's truly your games wherever you're at so if there's an iPad app for this and you know there's going to be because it's the number one tablet out there there isn't any other tablets I can play my PS3 games on my iPad when I'm sitting at the doctor's office that would be incredible
1: yeah, I think I think the proof of that particular pudding is gonna be in the uh, in the eating when we actually see the service running well, on the internet. I think initially I it's going to the be the CES
0: demos were running Wi-Fi. from a local server. Yeah, I think that's kinda of, you know. but let's be honest, it, there's no they can't control that. They can't control crappy Wi Fi. No, but but it's whether on a home broadband connection you get a decent enough performance. Yeah. And the proof's you know. gonna be in the pudding, but they're doing something. They're innovating, they're They're trying to be different than everybody else and i think they're succeeding and i think the sales of their products reflect what consumers want it makes them excited yeah now i think sony's done actually a a pretty piss poor job when it comes to mass market appeal when it comes to marketing they they got to do a lot better job there they got to get back to the old sony the way they really marketed themselves and it's kind of the way apple did it and uh it's you know like you said It's kind of like that um, John Lewis ads. Yeah. You know, Sony needs to get back to that. But they need to innovate, and they're doing it. And I don't see anything from any of the competitors that are even coming close. You know, Nintendo comes out, and they're like, well, we might release, like, little mini games for the other devices that's going to draw you into playing our hardware and our software. I don't think you really get it. (laughs) Yeah. Look at what Sony's doing. They're saying... Yeah, it's it's our hardware and it's our software, but you know what? It's not just that. You can play it on any device. That's what we want you to do. That's the smart play right there. At least Definitely. from my perspective, and, yeah, and no, sales well, I, look uh, like they're reflecting it.
1: Yeah, I I I mean, I'm I'm very interested in the, in the in this you know streaming service to see how good it is. Um, you know, uh, I I'm cautiously optimistic. I th- I think Sony does have a bit of a reputation of of announcing things and then drawing back from what they announced right at the last minute. So. They did, uh, but I think yeah. lately
0: they've really kind of gone the other route. They they're they've been yeah. doing a pretty good job, I think. Yeah. Um uh, going you know. do you got something you wanted to talk about before I get to the last bit here? No, no, let's let's push on. All right. uh, um we've been at it for fifty minutes. So. Yeah. I've been uh a little active over at mymac dot com, David. Mm-hmm. I've been uh doing some reviews again and Last week, of course, I talked about the uh, the Nakamichi headphones and yep. the Nakamichi little blue box speaker. I did those reviews. This last week, I did two iOS reviews, and they're both Star Wars related. I reviewed Lego Star Wars: The Complete Saga for iOS. Now, this is the original Lego game that came out on the PS2 and the original Xbox, you know, years ago, almost a decade ago. Yeah, and they've been ported over to every gaming platform since. But the thing was, they didn't port it to iOS, which kind of surprised me because they released all the newer Lego games on iOS. Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, the DC game, the Batman game. Yeah, which I've been playing and I'm really enjoying, actually. It's a really fun game. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised that they never ported the original, which I think is still one of the best Lego games, which is Star Wars. Now, I've got a passion for Star Wars, but even so, as a game, it just worked really well. And that's where they, they came up with all these concepts. They finally ported it over to iOS. And I'll be honest, David, it works great. I, I really enjoy it on that platform. I unlocked yeah, I, everything. I do
1: like the... Um, I've been playing the DC one with their uh, touch control rather than the touch pads. Yep. Which I find, personally, I find a bit easier to use mm-hmm. than the uh, touch controls. I know it's not like the what games used to be, but um, it
0: kind of gives you... It, gets well, it over gives that. you that option, though. That's the nice Yeah, thing. that's right, yeah. The virtual Um, joysticks or the touch controls. I personally like the joysticks. That's just my brain is wired that way. My wife is like you. She likes the touch controls. Yeah. So Um, did you pick up Star Wars, the complete saga for iOS? Well, you
1: know what I did? Because it's a free download and then it's in that purchase. One thing that kind of annoyed me about it is that if I wanted to buy all of it, it, the way the interface is set up, it's not clear how to buy all of it. Yes. I agree, uh, and and it really it's it kind of really turned me off. To be honest, I don't mind for this, the in-app purchase, the idea of giving you the first episode free, and then you pay to buy the rest of them. But it was so confusing because the within the um, the kind of the hub interface, which is the the cantina in Star Wars, uh, where where you go to the different episodes, you you would click on something and it would say, well, you could buy this pack or you can buy that pack, and it wasn't clear these what was in these packs, right? Whether it was costumes and characters or whether it was new
0: levels they could have fixed that with one simple menu at the main screen that says additional purchases or in-app
1: exactly and it just lists or even in the interface they have just actually when when you when it comes up it tells you what what it is it's offering yeah
0: i didn't mention that in my review and i was probably remiss from doing so because i was so excited to and i unlocked everything with playing the first level if you will because i knew this game i've played it on multiple yeah. platforms and once i saw that oh it's exactly the same way and it works great the controls are you know very tight and i can do everything i need to do boom i'm buying it because i want to take this game wherever i'm at and play it that was the whole appeal to me
1: yeah and and really to get you're effectively getting if you buy all of it you're getting two games in one because you're getting the original you're getting the uh the 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 uh, prequel prequel series, which was the original Lego Star Wars, and then you're getting Star Wars 2, which is the original trilogy as well. So, to get those two together for for the price they charge you, it's a pretty good deal. Oh, absolutely! Um, But having said that, uh, if if you don't make it easy for people to buy that deal, and it looks like you're being, I kind of got kind of felt a bit annoyed that like I was being fooled into possibly buying things I didn't want to buy, right? Which
0: kind of put me off a little bit. The other review I did was another star Wars game. It's called tiny death star. Now I've had this uh, tiny tower, uh, for, I don't know, since it came out, it was free initially and it may still be, I don't know, but my kids like to play tiny tower on my old iPhones and I've got five old iPhones that are glorified iPod touches at this point and they play games on those. And one of the ones that my daughter Brooke plays is tiny tower. And I've looked at it and I understood that they're trying to go with this eight bit graphic, but I just didn't get it at all. Yeah. Then they came out with this Star Wars Tiny Death Star and it's free. And it's, you know, again, it's for iOS, it's Android, it's Windows Mobile. I downloaded it and started playing it and I understood it immediately. I don't know why I didn't get it with Tiny Tower. It's essentially it's the same game. Mm-hmm. But I, I know the the characters maybe. I don't know. But I got it. And uh, I'm still enjoying it, but it has a limited playability. After a while, you're going to grow bored of the game. You can't help it. You can only build so many towers and micromanage the little bitsins. With the that's what they call instead so of citizens, they're bitsins. Yeah. and it has a very kind of clever eight-bit Star Wars feel, very pixelated. You could, t- you could tell who the characters are. You could tell what the levels are. But it really is designed for people unlike me. People who are impatient. They just want to build this next level really quick. And to do it, I, I need so many more of these Imperial Bucks things. And I have to earn those in the games. But, oh, look, I can buy 10 more for $1.99 in real money in, in that purchase. Mm-hmm. And that's what I need. I'll just do that. I'm willing to work for it and wait for four hours and then get it that way. Yeah. So they're not making any money off me.
1: (laughs) Well, I think, I think the thing is, is for, you know, for everyone who feels like (coughs) that, it's probably five or 10 people who are quite happy to chunk up the change. And, and, you know, that's, that's, that's how the in-app purchase model makes money. And apparently it's quite lucrative. As
0: long as, and, and with star Wars, tiny death star, you know, it's credit to Disney mobile, but it's really nimble bit. Right, yeah. Sorry, I got something in my throat. throat) Excuse me. Um, They've made it easy to do the in app purchase, but they've it's very clear that you don't have to do that to continue to play. That there's really other than being patient, there's no real restrictions, they don't push it in front of your face the whole time. And I've seen other games where they're free, freemium within that purchase that they make it almost impossible not to buy something more Uh that's the difference that's why I gave this game a good review or a good score and other games I would not have that like candy crush saga that are just constantly beating you over the head to spend money and I don't like that and I hope that changes soon but if you want to read any one of those reviews go up to mymac.com they're on the front page still they probably will be for a little while Obviously, I'm doing more product review than I've done in the past couple of years. That's going to continue, David. I'm looking forward to doing more reviews. Um, eventually, maybe some uh, opinion articles as well, but I kind of save that for the podcast. Cool. and uh, but it's fun i i I missed writing and it's fun to get back into it. Excellent. yeah, it's always good to uh, always good to go back to the old old days and uh, do things you used to do absolutely and speaking of which maybe there's something else i'm going to be doing soon like the old days but mm. maybe i'll have an announcement next week or no maybe spoilers never. maybe never who knows we'll see yeah. so with that david we're going to wrap up uh, this episode of tech fan we really appreciate everyone who downloaded and listened all the way through uh if you'd like to send us feedback you can send it directly to me tim at com or David at TechFanPodcast.com. And uh, I'm on Twitter at MyMac, and he is David B. Cohen. Ah, I am. I jumped a gun there on you. Uh, It Mm -hmm. is 2014, which means, David, it is the 10-year anniversary of the MyMac podcast. We were part of that show as well. I actually still own it, but I don't record that show anymore. Guy and Gaz does. And as such, you're going to see uh, four special episodes this year. Uh, Two of them have already been done. So we'll make an announcement here when that show goes live. And uh, we will eventually record a podcast with Guy and Gaz as kind of a reunion show. And I am, um, I think I'm doing an episode as well, David, with uh, Peter uh, Bird. All right. Um, He has a a podcast and he asked me to come on and be on a show. I was supposed to do it yesterday, but then my dad called. Well, first of all, my son got sick at school and I had to go pick him up and uh so i told peter i couldn't do it that day and then immediately after i picked up my son my dad called and asked if i could take him to the va hospital he fell down some stairs and hurt his back mm-hmm. so my day yesterday was shot but it looks like monday i'm going to uh record an episode of the deeper podcast with peter bird i'm looking forward oh, cool. to it cool he's over there in the uk too he is yep so it'll be another uh, early morning for you it will. Uh, no, actually, I think we're doing it noon my time to all uh, right, Oh, right, Monday, okay. So. Late night for him, then. <laughs> Late night for him. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I like his show. I've listened to it a few times, and um, so it's going to be good. He's had uh, quite a few interesting guests on there. I think the last one he had was Scott Wilsey. Uh-huh. Uh, Scott used to be part of the Stoplight Network with his podcast. We had a falling out, uh, as you know, David. Uh-huh. Uh, but we actually uh, made up, Scott and I, so that's, good. that's always good to do i don't like to have animosity towards anybody out there and definitely uh, not yep so with that we're going to wrap up this show and we will uh see you next week you good for next week david not going to china or africa or Uh, i have managed to um push hong kong
1: out of my life for the time being (laughs) good i know you didn't have a good time there last last time work wise no so uh hopefully um hopefully won't be going for a while yeah and quickly how's your health doing uh, yes, yeah, a lot better. Um, yeah. And in fact, that one—that's one of the things I want to talk about next week—is um, not. I didn't see a lot of uh, there was a lot about fitness gadgets at CES, but not a lot about health gadgets. So I want to talk about some of the stuff I've been using to manage my uh, manage my health because uh, kind of cool. How, how's your eyes? The eyes have returned to normal. Really? So I no longer need the glasses. So, so apparently it was uh, it was either uh, drugs or the diabetes yeah. that that did that. Why well, look forward? I, go ahead i was just going to say it's left me very slightly long sighted so i'm kind of struggling to see my iphone but I, wow. so I, need, I might need to get switched to reading glasses but i i certainly
0: i'm actually reading uh, wearing reading glasses
1: right now yeah so uh yeah that that happens anyways you get older so that's not I know,
0: not such a biggie but um getting old sucks david yeah i think there's more gray in my goatee than anything else <laughs> i have i have two patches so uh in my in my goatee so uh, i often look like a badger yep there you go so i appreciate <laughs> you coming on this week david i can't wait to talk to you next week uh, i'm really interested in hearing about health what you're doing and how technology is helping you there and for everyone else thanks for listening